0: Head to patreoncom Chris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free, and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. I have run a marathon, three half marathons, a dozen ten milers. I've placed second in a fitness competition. I have my first degree black belt, and I am not sharing these things with you to brag. I'm sharing these things with you because I am not an athlete. Nope, not at all. I'm Kristen Dobniak, holistic nutritionist and mama of two, and this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. A podcast about ditching the diet dogma, embracing intuitive eating, real food, and living healthy, happy, and whole. Please note the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Now, on to the show. Growing up, I was certainly not the athletic type. I quit dance at two, My mom signed me up for t-ball and I was afraid of the ball and soccer was an altogether bad experience when I was put on a co-ed team with all boys. I stayed the season for the ice cream we got after the game. I was so bad the boys used to kick my shin guards to get me out of the way. Remember the fitness test they used to do at the beginning of the school year, or at least they did at my school? I was the kid who could never do the pull-up, who walked the miler, and who couldn't stretch to save her life. The reason I'm sharing these things with you It's because you don't have to be an athlete to turn fitness into an obsession. To turn something that is good and healthy and could be really nourishing for you into something that's dangerous and takes away the quality of your life rather than improves it. This is my story about my obsession with fitness. When I was in high school, I played JV lacrosse. Well, played is a loose term, because I got a fun new piercing that I couldn't take out, which vetoed me from actually playing. I participated in practice, badly, and once again realized that team sports just really weren't my thing. Now, I did do karate. Martial arts was fun and exhilarating for me when I was up for the challenge and not being thrown in the ring with boys at a much higher skill level than I we switched karate schools when I was 8 or 9 and I started back up again as a preteen, eventually getting my black belt when I was 16, which was a trying yet empowering experience for me. I learned to run a mile without stopping, do 50 push-ups in a row, and pull down a 200-pound man if you were to approach me. I still value my martial arts training to this day. But I was not an athlete. It was actually towards the end of my martial arts journey, I stopped training when I went to college, that I fell in love with running. Something I could work up to. So I started by walking for three minutes and running for one until one mile turned into two, which turned into three, which turned into my first 10 miler, an evening jaunt around my hometown, one that I have now finished 10 times. And I only skipped when I was out of the country in the middle of the woods or pregnant. And the second time I was pregnant, my husband and I actually walked it. So running became a release for me, a reprieve from the stresses of life, the pressures of school, friend struggles, and feeling like I didn't quite fit in. But it also became a way to control my weight. It was during my black belt training that I dropped a handful of pounds and people started to notice. If you listen to my story in episode two, I talk about this. It wasn't the intention of mine at first, though I had been uncomfortable in my body. Up until then, it sort of seemed like a lost cause. It kind of seemed like, well, that was just how my body was. Food was a simple pleasure that I wasn't willing to forgo until I was, until I saw that my body was capable of changing. So when I unintentionally lost weight, it was like I was a whole new person. I suddenly had something of value, my body, and I was going to do anything it took to keep me there. So I started running to maintain my weight loss. And I learned quickly if I ate less and ran more, I lost more weight. And more and more until I was running upwards of 8 miles a day in college. It was basically what I could manage in an hour as soon as the track opened up before I had to shower and get to class. Running went from something that was a reprieve to something that was close to an addiction. I needed my fix. I couldn't go without it. Going a day without running, or at least more than my one, you know, sanctioned rest day a week, was unthinkable. I would say no to anything if it meant I had to give up my daily run, unless it was that rest day, which I read somewhere was necessary, so I thankfully made that happen. The more I ran, and the more weight I lost, the faster I got. I started winning local 5Ks, which only helped feed into my obsession. It was something I was good at, something that I was praised for. Running went from being an outlet to being my identity. I remember the day I stepped on the scale and saw a number so low, I knew it couldn't be healthy. I finished my mini bagel with peanut butter and went for a run. It was that week I met with my best friend and she shared the infamous words I shared in my story episode, if you don't get help, I'll get help for you. I'm still so thankful for her to this day. The nutritionist that I saw during my recovery was inexperienced at best at eating disorders. She tried to be a help, um, but I didn't reveal specifics of my disorder, and that's why it was labeled EDNOS, which is Eating Disorder Not Other Specified. The exercise obsession was kind of left out of the equation, and I was basically told as long as I restored my weight that I would be better. So I slowed down just enough to gain enough weight back that I would please the nutritionist and my parents, and I went on my way. That summer, I jetted off on a plane to spend a summer in the mountains of southern Italy, and something I now believe could only have been God's work happened. I tried to run, and for the first time in years, I couldn't. My first morning there, after a day of anxiety traveling without a minute to move, I tried to go for a run. And minutes in, I was wheezing. I felt like my legs were running through sand. My lungs were filled with tight, hot air. I pushed, and the humid, mountainous air pushed back. I stopped, and I walked. For the entire six weeks, I remained in Italy. I walked. I went on long walks with my friends during siesta. I walked to and from school. I danced on the porch with my iPod blasting. I moved in a way that felt so good it was almost cathartic. When I returned home, I didn't return to my eight miles a day because my body had begged me to stop, and somehow I listened. I ran on occasion, went to the gym at school, but much of my time was taken up with my second year in college, much more rigorous than the first, and a new boy that had stolen my heart. This continued that entire school year until that boy left, until that boy moved back to his home country, and I was left, brokenhearted and angry at God and so confused as to what the future held. I took a position as a camp counselor that summer, and my only opportunity to move was with the campers, which I did, but I also ate. I ate to numb the pain of feeling abandoned. I ate to cover the feeling that I had lost my identity. I gained a ton of weight that summer. And as soon as I returned home, puffy and embarrassed, of course, I started a new diet. Now, this diet plan was different than some of the ones I had done before this diet plan had an exercise plan attached to it. So I followed it. I lost weight. Then, of course, I went off the rails, gained it back. You know the drill. And then I started using exercise again as a means to control instead of empower or strengthen my body. When I finally had the opportunity to move to Canada the next year to be with that boy, the boy that is now my husband, I used exercise in a similar way. There were no gyms we could afford close by, so I worked out at home, I walked to and from school and the coffee shop to work on my first ever passion, vlogging, and it felt good until I started feeling like I was putting on weight, and then it was to amp up the obsession and work out and change your body. This was, of course, only magnified three years later when I gave birth to my first daughter, Sage. Suddenly, though I had grown and birthed new life, I looked at my body like it was a mistake. Like, it had failed me so deeply because it held on to extra weight. Weight that had fueled my baby for nine months. Weight that resulted in me becoming a mother. But still, somehow, I felt like it was wrong. I ran just enough to somewhat train for a 10K that my sister-in-law was doing, and boy did I run my heart out at that 10K. I couldn't walk for four days after, but it sparked something in me. That desire to feel empowered through movement but as you can imagine, once again, I took it too far. I joined a fitness program online. I won't share which one because despite having some great trainer-led programs, there are also some incredibly detrimental diet mentality messages throughout. And of course, this led to another program. The first one was like a three-week thing, and that led to another, and that led to not only shedding the baby weight, but then some. I was working out every day, often twice a day, which was encouraged by this company. And I joined a local mom's fitness group as well. So whatever online program I was doing was compounded by the fitness class, or sometimes a run, or sometimes both. And of course, I got into incredible shape. My body was enviously small. And of course, this led to me restricting my eating to then quote unquote maintain my shape as well. I didn't think anything of it because it was in the name of fitness and health, right? I joined a gym and started experimenting with weight training and caffeine-loaded pre-workouts. My goal was no longer to be the skinniest, but it was to be the strongest. And whereas there's nothing wrong with wanting to become stronger, I once again took it to the extreme. Hours upon hours of the gym, taking away from everything else in my life. I got my personal training certification and began teaching group fitness classes. I was the epitome of fitness but fitness had taken over my life. I remember sitting in church one Sunday. It was fairly shortly after I'd begun attending church for the first time in a decade, and the pastor was preaching about idolatry, idols being anything in our lives that took a place higher than God. I felt my cheeks flush as I thought about my obsession with fitness and changing my body. I pleaded with him, no, no, no. This wasn't an idol. It was a good thing. Exercise is healthy, healthy, and I was helping people for goodness sakes. That fall, I signed up to compete in a fitness competition. Meticulously, I began to track my food intake. Religiously, I followed the exercise routine. Week by week, I whittled down to nothing, and my relationships crumbled. I wasn't making too many friends during this time. I didn't have time for anyone. My marriage was a wreck. My daughter only knew me as the mommy who worked out all the time and was exhausted in the afternoon. I wasn't the woman I wanted to be, but I was blinded by my extreme obsession with being the fittest woman in the room, as if that would somehow make me worthy. And friends, I rocked that fitness competition. I placed second, and I looked incredible. On the outside. On the inside, I was falling apart. Shortly after my competition, I had a complete adrenal crash. My body shut down. Not many people around me realized how bad it was because I hit it well. I just stayed home a lot. I couldn't even lift a 10-pound dumbbell. My runs turned into walks. And I am so grateful now for that experience because I learned a lot about myself as we searched for answers as to why I was falling asleep sitting up playing with my kid. I realized in that time how unhealthy my obsession with being healthy was. I decided in that time that my family was worth so much more than the last bits of my energy. That my worth was in God and his will for my life, not my body. And for the first time in a decade, I let my body rest. The following spring, I became pregnant with my second daughter, Wren. And after a trying first trimester on semi-bed rest, I stayed active in a way that felt good throughout my pregnancy. I ran slowly. I walked a lot. I did Pilates and lifted light weights. I felt energized and alive. After she was born, I took time to allow my body to recover until I started feeling the desire to move again. That spring, I felt a deep urge to run again. Though this time, running came without expectations. I ran because it felt good, without time limits or speed goals, and I set a new goal instead. Something I had never thought possible because of what it would have meant to give up. All of the other fitness things I thought were crucial. It would mean I would need to eat for fuel and truly pay attention to how my body felt because I knew the implications of going about it any other way. I trained for and ran a marathon with no goal other than finishing. And I finished, exhausted and exhilarated in tears that last mile, not because of the accomplishment I would made that day, but because of how far I had come. Fitness had no longer become an obsession of mine. My fitness had become an outlet of joy. And now, let me be clear, I don't think everyone needs to train for a marathon for the catharsis of realizing a complete transformation of their attitude around fitness. For many, running a marathon could result in quite the opposite, a resurgence of obsession. The difference for me was after so many years of using fitness as a means to control my body, I was finally able to surrender to training for something in a way that felt good because I knew that it couldn't happen in any other way. So in the months following, I listened to my body and fell into a routine of fitness that feels good. After a month off to allow my body to recover, I began asking myself each day how or even if I want to move and go from there. I've run a little, walked a lot, done some YouTube workouts, a ton of yoga, and tried new things too. I approach fitness now as a way to honor my body in a way that feels good without obsession. Friends, thank you so much for listening, as always. I hope you related to some parts of my story about my obsession with fitness and the journey I have been on using fitness as a tool for weight loss and fitness as a tool to change my body to fitness as something that brings me joy and something that boosts my health um, and really improves my life. So if you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe to get notified when the latest episodes launch. And if you loved it, please go ahead and give it a star rating. Bonus points for writing a review. Because every subscribe, rating, and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more mamas that need to hear it. You can find me at HealthyMamaChris.com or on Instagram and Facebook at healthymamacris. Have a beautiful day, friends.